Views and opinions expressed on this program are those solely of its speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of WMUA, its management board, or the board of trustees of the University of Massachusetts. This is Unbeaten. Thanks for tuning in. Great to have you listening. Live from Amherst, Massachusetts, in the basement of the Murray D. Lincoln Campus Center, broadcasting on WMUA 91.1 FM and online streaming. It is Thursday, February 13th, our fourth episode on the season. We have a great topic today, so let's get things started. We are back at it another Thursday here at 11 a.m. Joey Ice is with us. Joey, how you doing? Pretty good. How about yourself, Ryan? Good, yeah. Thanks for coming back on the show. Uh, We're going to talk a little olympics today woo the olympics <laughs> uh as if you don't know which i'm sure you do because it's pretty big headlines uh this week but the olympics the winter olympics are taking place in pyongyang i believe it is uh, uh pyongyang 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 is uh the north korean capital oh, okay. mm-hmm. pyongyang is whatever that like winter place in south korea right um, what's up with the teams uh like the korean team is it a joint team south and yeah, North Korea? So, i don't even know what's up with that yeah no they decided uh that's little, how distant i am with the some, Olympics. some different things going on with the teams this year the, the joint korean teams uh russia isn't allowed to compete under their flag they have to compete as individual olympic athletes from russia that's really weird. So they can only use the Olympic rings. They can't use their flag like on the podium. Yeah, like. I actually saw that when I watched a little bit of uh, figure skating. I was watching a little bit of that yeah. this past weekend, and I yeah. saw some uh, competitors that had just the Olympic rings. It's kind of right. a weird predicament. I mean, they're not the ones who got like in trouble originally, yeah. like the doping or whatever I, they I'm did. I'm pretty sure any athlete, like if you don't want to compete under your country, you can do that. Like you can just compete under the rings. But I, uh, like this year, Russia was forced to because of the doping. Yeah. Uh, or maybe if you're like from like two countries, or you're like a refugee, yeah. or like you're kind of like a mm-hmm. displaced person. If you are end up in the Olympics, you I know can it is. Go on and it use is somewhat flag. personal. I, I believe you can to a certain extent, like. Or you don't want to be like represented by america for some reason like you don't want yeah, to like, I mean, represent Cl- them for some uh, reason chloe, I mean, you could chloe kim who we will get to later um who won the half pipe for the women's I know, I know she was born in pyeongchang i believe and um but she's representing the united states so yeah uh, or she could have just done the the rings represent the true, rings true <laughs> um kiss the rings <laughs> little plug there um but yeah in Pyeong pyeongchang i guess they've, they've been having some pretty freezing temperatures uh the event some events are being delayed due to the the cold and wind just because of how brutal it is um but other than that the conditions i think are better than sochi because i remember the, the the problem with sochi was that the temperature was too warm and everything was melting and like the half pipes weren't uh like frozen enough and it was dangerous so at least at least they don't have this problem this time around but um in other news figure skating Canada won first place in the team mix. Uh, Olympic athletes from Russia came in second, which I didn't know they could like. Uh, I didn't know they were considered like a team, but uh, I guess even still, they're, they're, I guess they're still unified under that that O A R title. And then U.S. came in third. Um, Mirari Nagas Nagasu became the first uh, U.S. women in Olympic history to land a triple axel at like 
at the Olympics. Not just I saw that. That was pretty impressive. Yeah, you said you watched some of the some of the skating. Yeah, I watched a little bit of the skating. Not gonna lie. Yeah, no, I mean. It's cool to watch. Yeah, right? it is. I mean, some of the sports are pretty interesting. I don't mind watching curling. I know some people. It's basically yeah. like playing. What's that game that you like, like? Shuffleboarding. Yeah, it's like, like on shuffleboard. Ice. Yeah. On, yeah, shuffleboard on yeah. ice. Um, it's like mesmerizing. Like some of the. I think those two are like definitely like up there in terms of like mesmerizing. Like you're not sure why, but like you just can't take your eyes off it. Um, yeah, but Summer Olympics is is better in my opinion. I think. Right. It's, okay. So, I don't know. For some reason, like I think it was because when I was little, I had like the. It was, like, the Sonic, like, Olympic Games, like, for, like, Wii or whatever. And that's how I, like, learned all the uh, Olympic sports. And then just, like, ever since then, I've just been so into, like, the Winter Olympics. So I'm more of a Winter Olympics guy. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the Summer Olympics, they definitely have maybe more of the bigger names, more recognizable figures over the course of the history. I mean, it started off as the Summer Olympics. I believe the first uh, Winter Olympics was around 1930. I mean, I could be wrong, but no, that's that just sounds me coming about- off, like top of my head that sounds about right but like the original like this new running of the game started the first one was in like 1896 but it also happened way back in ancient greece so it's been going on for Mm -hmm. thousands of years and like if you remember that well you don't remember but if you know like of the original ancient like greece games it was a lot of running like more like iron man style events Mm -hmm. they were like throwing just like rocks everywhere like stuff like that the good old marathon run yeah the good old days yeah but uh yeah like if you bring it all the way back to there too as well but you got names like michael phelps who's won the most medals out of any athlete Mm. ever uh you got usain bolt who's break broken tons of records just sprinting 100 meter 200 meter dash uh you can even go back to so like mark spitz the famous american swimmer from like the 70s early 80s pre-michael phelps yeah yeah who also is up there for medal count Mm. jesse owens what he did back then when 1936 olympics uh running in nazi germany that was a pretty like monumental olympics monumental uh move by him so i feel like there's a lot more history when it comes to the uh summer olympics and i feel like there's a maybe not better athletes but there's more recognizable athletes definitely more more recognizable athletes in a in a quantitative sense and i think sense. they have like the more medals too you know yeah but the thing is about like the thing is i'll touch on like the whole michael phelps thing is uh he's the most celebrated athlete in you got 23 history, gold medals which is fine but like you have to think about it like this way like swimming has like so many different strokes which means like there's yeah, so many different so many different races so many though. different events and races that put him in positions to win these medals where like if you're just like the best tri uh decathlon uh athlete in the world like you only have a chance at like one medal a year that's still so. the summer olympics though so therefore the summer olympics is better all right then i'll put it this way if you're like the best like <laughs> i don't even know like biathlete like the people who best curler even people, like what if you're just an amazing sure, curler like, choose any winter sport it doesn't matter like that only has one event, like, then that's only one medal you can look forward to a year opposed to, like, in swimming where you can win up to, like, eight the one the year Michael Phelps did in, like, Beijing. So And I, I also think basketball is also uh, pretty compelling. More, I mean, it, maybe it's not compelling, but, like, you got the Dream Team, like, right. all those stars from the 92 Olympics when they first uh, introduced, like, you could have professional athletes join because it used to just be, like, mm-hmm. semi-professional which they're still kind of debating on with, like, hockey, basketball, that sort of thing. But I think basketball, I mean, you see, I mean, Team USA obviously, like, should come away with the gold every single time, but it's just kind of fun to watch. Right, which is, like... All, like, the big NBA stars play. Which is fine, but then it's, against like... Against the rest of the world. At a certain point, it's, like, all right, then, like, 
I'll just watch like the NBA All Star game. Like in a sense where like at least you know like for like ho- Olympic hockey, you know like all right, like the U.S. definitely has c- competition going up against Canada and Sweden. Yeah, I mean they ha- also have like the Miracle on Ice, which is one of the and greater then, Olympic moments. Yeah, you go back to that, and that's definitely up there in but, like Olympic moments in general. Yeah, it's definitely up there in Olympic moments. But can you name any other uh, great Olympic moments from the Winter <laughs> Games? Like, like that could be like, oh, be- oh, like the TJ. I mean, like we had, in, I think it was Sochi, like TJ Oshi, uh, had the big game against Russia where he scored like, like three yeah, but will that shootout be goals. Remembered a hundred years from now when you're just talking <laughs> about like the Winter Olymp- Olympics in general or Summer Olympics in general. I don't, I don't think I mean, it will be. Yeah, but I don't know if like the Summer Olympics has or the Summer Olympics definitely has like a moment as good. They as- have like like the best memories Uh, they definitely have as good as like the miracle team but i don't know about like if we're talking about like hockey to basketball i don't think basketball has like an equal like well yeah we're not talking hockey to basketball that's that's fine it comes down to winter and summer and i think summer like throwing the miracle on ice like that's definitely what is like a great like summer olympic moment that compares to like the miracle team maybe then I mean, I think Jesse Owens in Nazi Germany in 1936, yeah. I think that's up there. I mean, you still talk about it today to some degree. I remember being a little kid re- reading, like, children's book. They just recently had the Jesse Owens mm-hmm. movie about him. Um, it was, I think it was the 1960s Olympics. I don't remember the guys, but I remember it was two, like, African-American runners. They won, I don't know, like, the iconic picture of them with, like, their fists up in the air. That was yeah, I've in seen that. the yep. 60s in Mexico City. That's definitely an iconic moment. Um, I mean, obviously, like, I keep going back to, like, these guys, but, like, Michael Phelps having the most medals, like, he's definitely had quite a few moments there. Usain Bolt, like, if you're going from recent memory, mm-hmm. him, when it was, uh, I remember watching the 2012 London Olympic Games, like, live, watching, I believe it was the 200-meter dash, and it was, the, the best heat was three Jamaicans versus three Americans. It was kind of awesome. Even though the Jamaicans swept, I believe they got first, second, and third, but it was Usain Bolt, yep. and then a couple of his, uh, Jamaican, um peers that got second and third mm-hmm. but it was just fun to watch i was like oh maybe like i forget i can't even think of the guy's name but his last name was like gay or whatever it was the really good oh, American yeah, runner yeah. uh and then sprinter they also have like galen somebody yeah like, it's yeah. fun watching the relays too i mean as a former like track athlete yeah or track player i mostly did the field part <laughs> i didn't really do the track part mm-hmm. i did like the big boy relays and yeah, stuff like I mean, that i was I did, a thrower i think track is definitely like the more interesting part of the summer olympics track and swimming I probably uh, faced you in track and field, to be honest. For me, at least. Yeah, I mean, we were definitely in, what was it, like the uh, a- ACL. Yeah, but you guys um, left. Yeah, we left, so. I mean, nobody maybe, in the audience we... really knows about the ACL. <laughs> but, yeah. We're talking we're talking uh, South, South Shore stuff. Patriot League now. Patriot League? Yeah. Uh, who's in the Patriot League? I don't even it's know. It's like um, the towns of, like, Ma- uh, <laughs> Duxbury. Was it Mansfield in it? No, I don't know why I was just about to say Mansfield. I was trying to say Marshfield. Um, Silver Lake, Plymouth North, Plymouth South. The ACL is just going to turn into like an all Cape League. The entire exactly. Other other than Marshfield, it's literally like four Cape teams. It's basically an entire. Uh, it's like the South Shore is to Patriot League. It's not bad though. I mean, DUI is like pretty like really good at right as athletics. the ACL is to Cape teams, and that's why we left. I think because we just didn't want to keep traveling to the Cape. So yeah, um, I think you guys wanted like bigger like schools too. Yeah. Not really, like, competition-wise, because I feel like competition-wise, it was pretty level. (laughs) But I think you guys wanted, like, bigger school. That's what I heard. I mean, my track coach was uh, big into, like, the MIAA sort of stuff. He told me a bunch of, like, insider stuff. Like, he was, like, my throwing (laughs) coach. But, yeah, that was a tangent right there. Yeah. um, (laughs) 
Yeah, go, yeah, I mean, good, good memories going back to track. I definitely think people don't appreciate how uh, difficult it is, how much mental toughness it requires. I definitely remember uh, two years ago in the Summer Olympics, I got really into like the, the track events. I know uh, Matthew Senchwitz won like the 1,000-meter the uh, uh, gold in Rio, and that was really cool because he was like the first American, I think, to ever do that or do it in a while. So. Yeah, I also like watching uh, women's soccer in the Olympics. Oh, I okay. think that's pretty enjoyable. See, soccer is one of those things that I think definitely takes a backseat, especially in the Summer Olympics, in the sense that, like, I, mean, I think the, the the World Cup is, like, the big thing for them. Well, that, yeah. like it's And they also have, like, soccer has all these, like, then they have, like, the European Championships and, like, the, the, Euros. the UEFA yeah, the Euros fun. thing every year. So I think Olympic soccer somewhat takes a backseat, but, I mean, it's still... Yeah, I mean, the FIFA World Cup is definitely holds more weight than maybe Olympic gold medal in soccer mm-hmm. terms, but mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter because Team USA can't make either the Olympics or the World Cup because they got booed out of the World Cup coming up this summer, and I believe they haven't played in the Olympics in quite a few years, but the Olympics isn't really quite the same as um, the World Cup is, especially for men's soccer. I mean, women's soccer, they definitely have the big guns out there, but I remember watching, it was the 2012 Olympic Games uh, for men's soccer, and I believe Mexico won it all. Mm-hmm. But if you look at, like, the World Cup, like, Mexico isn't, like, a top, they're not really, like, a top yeah. 10 team Which in the is... world. It was, like, Mexico and, like, Japan was, like, in the finals. They were yeah. in the top three. And neither of those teams are really, like, a top 10, top tier team. That the, the World Cup is so big because FIFA, which is, like, the self-governing soccer thing of the uh, world, is, like, bigger than the Olympics, which it, no, I don't think in any other, like, sport it's like that in the sense that, I mean, excluding the, the major four, uh, like, say, like, swimming, like, their, like, self-governing championships aren't bigger than, like, the Olympics. So it, it's, I think it's kind of funny that, like, soccer is just... Well, I mean, like, soccer is just, like, a global sport. It's, like, the world's largest sport. Yeah. So when you got, like, the best soccer nations coming together for one big tournament, I mean, that's going to be huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, just some other, some other quick headlines from... Pyeongchang. Um, we were talking about Chloe Kim earlier. She won half pipe, uh, 17 years old, super likable. There's a lot of uh, likable athletes in this year's games. Red Gerard won uh, for snowboarding slope style. And he was like quoted on Twitter saying like, oh, like I was late. I fell asleep. Sorry. I was like binge watching Netflix or something like that. He just won gold like casually. So a lot of cool athletes that I think will get endorsement deals, which is good for the Winter Olympics because there's not enough, like, big names. I feel like everyone just sort of learns these names, like, a couple weeks yeah. before the Olympics when the press hypes mm-hmm. them up. But they're not players like the Summer Olympics, like Usain Bolt, that we know year-round. Like, it's sort of the people that we just sort of learn of, like, very recently. Yeah, I mean, you got, like, games. Lindsey Vaughn, Sean White. Those are the two, like, big American names mm-hmm. that kind of jump out. But both of them are getting old. Like, they're more of, like, the 2006, 2010, like, Winter Olympic right. like, names. And that was when they were, like, in their prime. Shawnee Davis is another, like, sort of uh, veteran that has won gold in, I believe it's speed skating. And he was, it was weird. I guess they decided to, whoever was going to be the flag bearer at the opening ceremony, they decided to flip a coin. Uh, I was, heard about that. It was that. between Shawnee Davis and some other girl. I'm not sure her, what her name but is. she won. She won, and he was not happy about it. He skipped the entire ceremony. He didn't even show up. And he, I think to the, he said to the press later, don't worry, I, I'll just wait another four years, which is kind of a joke because I think he's supposed to be retiring. Uh, all right, so we're going to go to break real quick. We'll be right back. Uh, stay tuned to WMUA 91.1 FM. 
This is WMUA Sports. UMass Men and Women Basketball on WMUA is supported by listeners like you and by Collective Copies, a worker-owned print shop with a mission. Printing, publishing, and promotion. 11 worker owners who share over 150 years of experience in the print industry are there to help you at every step. Collective Copies in Amherst and Florence and online 24-7 at collectivecopies.com. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for sticking with us. This is WMUA 91.1 FM. You're listening to Unbeaten. Um, We're just going to finish off what we were talking about a little bit. Some Olympics stuff, some headlines, some more headlines. Um, The men's halfpipe already underway. 12 riders set to compete in the final. Uh, Some big names in there. Sean White, obviously, uh, most likely going to be the favorite to win the gold medal he put down a monstrous qualifying run in which he scored like a 98 point something um Ayumi Hirano coming off a big uh X Games win in which he landed two I don't know like how many rotations it was he landed two major tricks back to back which have never been done before so he's he's really hot right now coming in uh coming off a big win Ben Ferguson obviously another big name Yori Podlachikov will not be competing. He had a crash at the X Games. iPod uh, is, I believe, a Swiss rider who unfortunately can't make these games. He was supposed to be a favorite to be like right behind Sean White, like silver medal contention. Um, but yeah, the final set for Wednesday night being a pretty high-profile event. I think we're going to see some a lot of 95-plus scores possibly. Um and that's about it for half pipe. Uh, some downhill skiing events have started as well. Michaela Schifrin is uh, the reigning gold medalist in the slalom, I believe. Uh, she's going to be the favorite to win this year. She's not known for being like the best overall around skier, but she's more of a specialist in the slal- uh, slalom events. And she is favored to win in two of the three events she's uh, currently listed in. There's talks of her entering a fourth race, depending on how she feels. But uh, she's, I guess, had a pretty rigorous training regimen over the past four years. So that's people are, people compare her a lot to Lindsey Vaughn uh, in her fearless sort of mentality to attack the slopes with a lot of speed. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how she does. But that's about that's about all the Olympic talk we have. I think. We can maybe move on to some some UMass athletics type stuff. Um, the basketball, the women, men's and women's basketball teams, and the hockey team. I know men's basketball is they were uh, at St. Joe's. Did not catch that game. Eighty five. They lost eighty five to seventy three. Eighty five. Did watch the Dayton game. They haven't played in a while. Or no, they took a week off. They're they at St. Joe's. Off, yeah. yeah. Okay. But yeah. it was February third. Was the last game I watched. The day before the Super Bowl. Wicked good game uh, in overtime. UMass has played, I believe, four overtime games this year. They're two and two. Uh, yeah, they're two and two. Oh, okay. In overtime. Yeah. Or no, they're two and three. I don't know. Looking at like the rest of the schedule, they only so I mean they have George Washington. They by the time you've listened to this, they will have played George Washington yesterday. And then Davidson will uh, be the next game. Davidson. In Davidson, North Carolina. We got VCU, uh, George Mason, Richmond, and Duquesne 
uh, on the schedule for the last few games, and then the Atlantic 10 tournament will start up shortly after that. So yeah, the following week. I mean, and yeah, they're uh, they're 11 14. Uh, so is the women's basketball team. They're both identical when it comes to that. Oh, okay, uh, right, men's no. basketball is. Uh, Doing one game better. It could change, but one game better in the A10. Yeah. They both have losing records in the A10. They did a better job versus their non-conference opponents. Yeah, one's basketball has four games left because their tournament's going to start a week earlier. Um, mm-hmm. They got D- Davidson and uh, Richmond. Those are the following games after George Washington, which was uh, Wednesday night. Uh, Davidson and Richmond, those two teams are just right above them in the A10 standings. They're both eight and nine as it stands right now, and UMass is in tenth place out of fourteen. So if they do well in those two games, if they end up beating them, they could potentially leapfrog. I mean, they have to worry about other factors as well because I believe mm-hmm. they're both like a game up, maybe two games and now. I, I was talking to one of the new members here at WMUA Sports. He's a uh, he's a manager. For his name's Ben. He's a manager for the men's basketball team. So he has. He says he's uh, obviously he gets a little bit more like interaction with the players and he's, he's an insider. He, exactly. So I was talking to him and he gave me a little bit of some inside, you know, stuff. And he's he, he said that what McCall's doing is going to change 100% change the program because he he came in under Derek Kellogg, so he kind of knows what both sides of the spectrum were like. And yeah, he's, um, he's, he also worked with Billy Donovan. Okay, really? Who was the University of Florida coach, and now he's the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder head coach. Oh, wow, okay. He was like a graduate assistant at Florida when Billy Donovan was there, when they had those huge runs, like with Joe Kim Noah, mm-hmm. some of those teams. Al Horford, he played for the University of Florida when they won those like back-to-back or two out of the three championships on the, kind of the peak of Florida basketball, 2006, yep. 2007, around there. So he started off then, it's kind of worked his way up. The system he's still very young and like you said yeah i feel everybody's like very impressed with him and what i've seen like seeing him coach it seems like he's very into it very very outstanding guy and it should be interesting to see what comes out of it maybe two three years down the road it probably it's not going to happen this year next year who knows i mean we could make a run at least like maybe nit tournament not making the big ncaa but then that following year you got luann pipkins who'll be a senior mm-hmm. you'll have uh carl pierre that true freshman who's come on really well this year he'll be a junior so you got those two players that will be literally in their peak of their playing that should be that should be fun to watch because luann pipkins is already averaging 20 plus points points per game one of the best scorers in the A-10 already as a sophomore. He's already kind of building his legacy with his play down the stretch. I mean, he kind of reminds me of an Isaiah Thomas, just pure score. Mm-hmm. Give me the ball, I'll shoot, I'll go right to the basket, I'll just get, get buckets for Which you guys. Which is funny because I think you can draw parallels. Uh, and he's pretty short as well. From from McCall to Brad Stevens almost, like in the sense that you have the young new coach coming in, he's a good play caller. Um, and he's doing a lot to turn around the program. Yeah, I mean, I think he does a lot of things differently than maybe his predecessors as well. Same thing with Brad Stevens. Mm-hmm. I mean, Brad Stevens likes to use analytics. I'm sure Matt McCall looks at the stats and really analyzes what his team's doing in order to get better. So it's kind of the younger generation of coach, definitely. Yeah, and it, it, I think it's also good that uh, the players are young because you know you can start maybe working in a core. I know there were a lot of kids that transferred out when Kellogg left. Uh, last season there were a lot yeah he's got a lot of walk-ons and he's only got six scholarship players i believe 
So it, it's it's good though that they have you know they're starting with a small core that they can start to build. Yeah, up. starting fresh. I mean, they're only going to lose one senior next year. That is uh, C.J. Anderson. He's the one lone senior. Everybody else is mm-hmm. sophomore juniors. And then you got like the true freshman like Car- Sp- Carl Pierre. Speaking of recruits, I I saw UMass football signed. I think it was. I don't know if it was their first or their first in a while, but like five star recruit. He's a punter from Greece, I believe. Well, yeah, I think he's originally from Greece. It's uh, George Georgeopolis. Or it's like two Georges in one name. It's mm-hmm. kind of impressive, not going to lie. You saw but, that too, though? Yeah, right? I saw it, yeah. It's First five-star. I mean, they got a bunch of players from what I've seen, a bunch of three-star, four-star recruits from all over the country. So that's also looking bigger and brighter. Mm, I know they... I mean, the only, thing, the only difference with the coaching, though, I mean, Mark Whipple is on like his his way out like this is probably his final hurrah as matt mccall is kind of the ascending coach and yeah he'll probably use this job to probably get another landing spot to kind of jump up so it's a win-win like umass will be successful while he's here hopefully and we talked about last show that um that whipple i think it was weird he he sort of like gave all of his assistant coaches like better positions during this off season so like he essentially like just gave them all like promotions which I don't yeah. know. That might be an indicator that he is on his way out, just to kind of maybe he wants to get this. Well, he's like seventy years old now. He might okay, so he's getting up there, and he might want to give the staff, his staff, some more roles, um, so that they can step up and maybe take yeah. over for him. In I mean, some he coached capacity. UMass twenty years ago. They won the ninety-eight FCS championship with him. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, nineteen ninety-eight. Right? He was like the quarterback coach for uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Was he really? Ring, yeah. I didn't know that. That's yeah, pretty cool. So he's worked with some so of the he's, good yeah. NFL quarterbacks. Certainly been in been in the business, but the UMass UMass football business. This will for probably a while. be his last hurrah. He'll probably build up the program, like you said, probably uh, elevate some of those guys underneath him, mm-hmm. set it up for success, and just kind of be the guy, the kind of the four, whatever. I can't even think of the word, but the four go or whatever. The guy, the guy that's like sets it up, Definitely. builds it up, but then he's the one who kind of leaves. Like, he builds the team up, and then probably whoever comes in after him might get all the glory because I don't know how many more years he has left right. in him. I know. Uh, Depending on how successful they are, too, I feel that could also yeah, be a part. I think they're they're keeping uh, – they still have Andrew Ford, right? And Andrew Ford, he's going to be a senior. Ross Comis. Comis, Comis yeah, he's going to be there. I mean, I think you got to give it to Andrew Ford. I mean, he had a more successful year. Uh, also, Andy Isabella, he's going to be a senior as well. Brighton Barr is coming back, one of the um, lead tacklers on the defense, one of their best defensive players. Isaiah Rogers, explosive defensive back who does a really good job on special teams. He also gets quite a few interceptions, got good hands. He is only a sophomore mm-hmm. who was in one of my classes last year. That's a fun fact. Really? Sat next to him a couple times. That's cool. But uh, he... We'll be back. It was only his sophomore year, so he still got two more years. I could see him being uh, another one of those NFL prospects that UMass can bring out because he's, he's very explosive. He's pretty big, too. I mean, be, see him in person, he's like six mm. feet. Yeah, I he's remember. He's got all the size that you would want in a cornerback or defensive back or even just a spe- like a pure like special teams like return guy. You can make a living off of that just I mean, on special teams. I remember all those players we just mentioned sort of stepping up in the homecoming game against – Appalachian State. I know we were both there calling that game, yeah. the one where uh, Logan Laurent ended up kicking the game-winning field goal. But that was a game that was really exciting for me because not only were there more fans in the crowd, but just because of the alumni and the homecoming aspect, but the team also put on a show for the fans. And I think yeah. it was it was a different look we get than usual. So. Yeah, that was probably the greatest win that they've had since they've moved to FBS. Definitely, definitely one of the one of the bigger bigger wins in the program. Even though it was against Appalachian, St- Appalachian State. 
it's just those like baby steps those small steps that you got to count when you're trying to uh rebuild and start uh a successful program you got to count the little things too you right gotta... and they're in what the fbs right right now the fbs independent um so I, they're not is, in a conference i thought i remember uh hearing talks of like moving back down in a few years yeah i mean they still might i feel like it depends on our success which hasn't been that great even like this past year i mean we only had four or five wins but that's that's the most wins we've had since moving to the FBS since 2013. That's mm. when we moved into the upper level instead of the FCS, which is like Division One A pretty much when you think about it like that. Um, right. But we also don't average that many fans in attendance. We only average like whatever, like a thousand people. What I mean, however yeah, many. And but and you need like at least I think like ten thousand or something like that in <laughs> order to like be in the FBS. So we do not reach that at all. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I remember last show we were talking about how much, you know, getting the fans out to the games is because it just changes the entire dynamic. I think the players will have so much more to play for if they had, you know. That more, goes for all sports. Right, and I mean, more than just a 1,000 fans in, like, a, a stadium that holds probably, like, ten at least more than 10,000. The football stadium holds, I believe, 10,000, 15,000, because that's, like, also the um, bare, like, minimum uh, seating that you can have for FBS, you gotta at least be able to hold ten, fifteen thousand people. So mm-hmm. like that's that's the max compa- max capacity of the football stadium. Mm-hmm. And they uh, did the Gillette gig that they had going on for a few years. I don't know what happened with that. I don't know if that really panned out. I think they kind of used that too, as they were kind of uh, like re remodeling and redoing like the whole stadium, anyways. Right. Which doesn't look like it's changed that much, to be mm-hmm. honest. Besides the um, practice facility that they got. Yeah. So that's. Basically, us talking UMass sports. Uh, that's about all the time we have. Joey, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for having uh, having me. Absolutely, anytime. So, thanks guys for listening. Follow us on Twitter at unbeaten U N B E A T O N. Thanks.